Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Okay, so my message today, everybody, I've just entitled it, it's part two of Time to Invest in Friendships. If you weren't here last week, can I encourage you to try and get hold of the podcast and try and hear part one. But this is part two, and uh, I'm talking about the power of that because the Bible has so much to say about relationships, so much that if we uh, glean the wisdom, then apply the wisdom, really our lives change and we are going to have success in so many areas that we may not have had success before. So first and foremost, can I just remind you of the story I said last week uh, about uh, using the analogy of the bank. Sue and I, one of our banks is Bank West. And I was just saying, imagine if I went over to Lakeside and went up to the teller at Bank West Bank. My, my account is registering naught. I, I go to the ATM, there's nothing there. And uh, I'm at the ATM pressing away. How many people have done that in these years gone by? <laughs> it says zero. And then I go in and tell the teller off and say, hey, I try to get some money out of the ATM. There's no money coming out. What are they going to say to me? They're going to say, Mr. Keehan, we just need to inform you that you need to make a deposit so there's money to take out. Do you know what, everybody? Relationships are like that and friendships are like that. If you want to receive and have friends, you've got to make deposits. And, uh, and what we have to learn is don't be waiting for people. Where are my friends? Being in life, why haven't I got any friends? What are people doing? What's wrong with people? No, no, no. That's like me going to the teller saying, come on, I need some cash. And they're letting me know, your account's empty. Some of us in our relational account, it's empty because we have to start making deposits. Hello, you have to start making deposits, first in your family, then in your friends. And that is how relationships come to your life. And I love it. You don't have to chase what you can attract. <laughs> So if you be, you have to change what you're going to attract. You start being the kind of person who's making deposits from your life, and you'll start to attract, uh, I pray and I declare, great people to your life. You can't demand friends like you can't demand respect. You can never demand respect. Respect has to be earned. Trust has to be earned. All we can do is make deposits in other people and uh, believe at some time there's going to be a return on that. And by the way, the word invest, which this year we declared over our church, after 22 years here, the, it was the year to invest because you've got to sow again uh, in order to have a harvest again. So we're believing for a harvest from Global Heart Church in your life, in your family, if you're a single person in your life, in your job, your business, in your calling, uh, but you've got to invest. And one of the definitions of that is putting valuable resources into others expecting a valuable return. So when you're investing in relationships, you're investing valuable resources, time, finances, care, words. Words are like oxygen. Remember that. We need words, hello, of encouragement. Encouragement means to put courage in. So we need to use words. And if you have run out of them, then lean into God and say, God, grace me to give me words. If your parents, uh, parents who are here, if your parents never sowed words into you, don't go around saying, well, my parents never gave me any words of encouragement, so my kids are getting nothing. No, no, no. Lean into God. Lean in and say, God, grace me to have words for my children and grandchildren. And God will grace you to be a person who delivers words, hello, oxygen, 
life and encouragement to your children and also to friends, which we're talking about today. You know, friendship means you've got an affinity with somebody. Real friendship means I've got an affinity. There's a connection. There's an alignment. Um, There's a common love and there's common vision. I like that. There's a common love, common vision. There's there's affinity. There's an alignment here. And uh, it will take you through the tests and the trials of life. Ralph Walter Emerson, who you really need to look into some of his stuff. He's a, he's a genius, this guy. But Ralph Walter Emerson said, Friendship does not ask so much, do you love me? But do you see the same truth? Ralph Walter Emerson, he said, Friendship does not ask so much, do you love me? But do you see the same truth? So you're looking for friends who are in line with the truth. Hello, as a believer, you believe. So, and then you're, you draw one another because of that. C.S. Lewis said, French, uh, sorry, friendship is born at the moment. Someone says, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. Let me say that again. C.S. Lewis, so good. Friendship is born at the moment. Someone says, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Really what it's saying is you've got a passion about the same thing. I watch, uh, you know, even my daughter-in-laws became great friends because they were serving God's house and they were passionate about children. So, uh, you know, uh, Kerry's in the worship team too, but they were in global kids ministering to the children. And they had a passion and it brings them together. Well, that's why we're going to be careful, everybody, about our passions. Because we're going to make sure they're in line with God's word. Number one, make sure they're in line with God's purpose for our life. But they have to have within the bounds of the word because you end up drawing people along those lines. So yeah, I've watched it with my friends. You know, uh, Pastor, I think uh, Rod, Pl- Rod Plummer in Japan, who's the apostle of Asia from Australia, Australian Christian churches, churches across Asia, 20 in Japan, I think now, which is just a miracle. But Rod and I just, our alignment was on, I went to London to plant a church, he went to Tokyo, similar. Now, they're both world cities, but very different, but working in world cities and then starting churches in areas that were challenging. Going to London and starting a church is a challenging place in so many ways. Buildings are small uh, expensive. It's very, very challenging. Tokyo is very challenging. And then we're both into, you need to disciple people and disciple people into leadership and into their calling. So, so yeah, our passion in the kingdom brought us together. Great way to come together in a friendship. You know, we need to look at the life of Jesus, everybody too, you know, he's our example for everything. And if, and if you look at the scripture, Jesus feeds the 5,000 He sends out the 70, he walks with the 12, but only lets three into his inner circle. Let me just say that again. You need to hear this, everybody. Jesus feeds the 5,000. We're called to be at Globe Heart Church helping and feeding and spiritually encouraging and teaching and blessing lots of people. Jesus fed the 5,000, sent out the 70, walked with the 12, but he only lets three into his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Three are allowed in to the inner circle. Listen, we need to learn from this. Jesus is very careful about who accesses his inner circle. 
Jesus is very careful about who accesses his inner circle. Wayne Alcorn, who is the national leader for Australian Christian churches, I watch him be careful about who accesses his inner circle. Because you have to be very wise about who you're walking with in order to outwork leading a movement that's four or 500,000 people now in Australia. So, so we need to think about that and go, hang on, I need to, I need to make sure my friends, hang on, are people who are meant to be in my sphere, my inner circle. And uh, can I just encourage you that Facebook are not all your friends? <laughs> they call them Facebook friends. No, most of them won't even be acquaintances. They will be voyeurs on your life, <laughs> usually. But you may have a few in there. But you know the majority of friends that people have really over their life, real friends? It's probably about three, maybe. Three close ones. Steve Kelly and I have been friends for 46 years probably best friends for 38, 36 of those years, but 46 years. You have very few, but make sure you got some, but just choose wisely. Choose wisely. So Proverbs 17, verse 17 in the New King James says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So a real friend loves you, good times, challenging times. You're broke, you're rich, you know, you made a mistake, you're doing well. They love you at all times, a real friend. And, uh, and then the Bible says a brother is born for adversity, which, you know, you may have a natural brother who walks with you in adversity, but also, too, you may have a, a, a brother who's been birthed spiritually, who God brings alongside you to walk with you in the challenging days of your life. So we need to ask the question, everybody. Here's my first uh, key point today is, what brings your friendships together? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever considered, why am I friends with these people? Why are my friends there? Why are my friends there? Sometimes people have never stopped to think or consider their friendships or their relationships and what brings them together. Sometimes we put it down to, well, you know, I just met them and I just thought, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, we, there's so many people who've ended up in problems because they're doing life that were never, with people who are never meant to be in their life. You ever consider that? People are doing life with people who are never meant to be in their life. And, uh, and, you know, you get in a friendship with somebody and you may be getting on the roller coaster ride of your life by being in relationship with this person who you are never meant to be doing life or walking with. So emotions don't come with a manual, everybody. <laughs> a lot of us are led emotionally. We need to be careful. I see people all the time. You see, you know, you'll hear people talking about relationships and they're like, oh, I just followed my heart. You better be careful with that one because Jeremiah 17 says your heart, the human heart, is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? <laughs> so people, that's what the Bible says about your heart. How are you feeling now? The Bible says our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know them? Even the Lord's having a hard time. <laughs> Who can know our hearts? So the Bible says if you're saying, oh, I just feel in my heart, you need to go, hang on a minute. The Bible says, my heart's deceitfully wicked. That means my heart is well able to deceive me. My heart is well able to deceive me by how I, what I'm feeling. So I have to be going by one thing, the Word of God. What are the, why am I walking here? Why am I in this relationship? Where does this relationship sit in the sphere of my relationships? Because I can deceive myself if I'm just going by how I feel. 
And by the way, as I said, emotions don't come with a manual. You're meant to feel emotions. That's good. Emotions are meant to be felt. I really was quite numb when I became a Christian and uh, started to come alive, started to feel, started to be happy, started to feel sad, started to feel, you know, joy, different emotions. I started to come alive. If you're not yet a Christian, you need to hang around people because you'll come alive. You'll start to come alive. I was numb, so numb, started to come alive. But here's what I had to realize. Do not let emotions lead me any longer. Feel it, but you have no authority to lead me. Every emotion I had would come, I'd say, is this negative? Is this building me? Is this taking me anywhere good? Otherwise, I am not going to give this emotion authority. So I say, Lord, I give you that feeling. Then I move on. So I would spend a lot of my time, Lord, I give you that feeling. Lord, I give you that feeling. Lord, I give you that feeling. Lord, I give you that thought. I give you that feeling. I give you that thought. Now, I could feel the feeling, but I just didn't let it stay. A bird may land on your head. It's up to you whether you let it build a nest or not. <laughs> a bird lands on my head. You're getting off shortly. So, but some of us, we've got emotions. They land, bad feelings, thoughts. You, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, make a note. Take a note. It talks about spiritual warfare is through your thinking. Give your thought to Christ and say, bow the knee to Jesus. Emotion, bow the knee to Jesus. Um, and then you're going to do a whole lot well with your selections in life. So in Luke 23, everybody, verse 12 to 12, it's an amazing verse. It's just kind of in there subtly in the scripture. But it's actually describing how two enemies of Jesus who disliked each other suddenly became friends. You ever seen that? People who didn't like each other, never got on. Then they find themselves in another situation and suddenly they're best buddies. Is it only me? I'm, only, I'm the only one there. I've seen that. I'm like, really? Well, the Bible shows it in Luke 23, 12. By the way, take a note today. You might want to get a note. There's a couple of these scriptures to look at later. But it says here, and so Herod Antipas, who was a governor of a division, uh, uh, in the, at that time, and Pilate, who was also a governor of Roman Judea, became friends with one another that very day. Listen, for previously they had been enemies towards each other. So the Bible's saying Herod and Pilate were enemies until it came time to talk about crucifying Jesus. They were enemies, and now when they had the chance to work against Jesus, some said he was going to rise up against the Roman Empire, the Jewish leaders hated him. These two who hated each other, suddenly they became friends over dislike slash hatred for Jesus. So their relationship was built on angst and hatred. What are your relationships built on? Somebody once said, you know that saying, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. We've got two competing things in our culture right now. I'm not going to name them just currently. You can ask me after the service quietly. <laughs> but uh, their teachings are absolutely in opposition. But because they have a con common enemy, they've become friends. We need to think, hang on a minute. What, this, what the heck? Why am I friends here? I've seen people in church life after 40 years in February, I'm going to be uh, in church. I've seen people who couldn't stand each other in church, but they disliked somebody. And then outside of church, they were best friends. 
People who had angst about other people, they never got on, actually didn't even know each other in church. And then years later, they're best friends. I'm like, uh, how the heck <laughs> did that happen? Pastor Rod's got that in Japan. He's got somebody in their church who caused so much havoc with a lot of the young people. And then somebody who never even met that person who's caused havoc. Rod goes out and there they are having lunch together. And he said to me, you know, we find our level. How in Tokyo do you find each other? It's a big city, 38 million people. So we need to think about, hang on a minute. I need to think this through because I'm about to give you a scary thought. You got your seatbelt? Who's got your seatbelt? Spiritual seatbelt? Just put it on. Here's the thought. You ready? You attract who you are. You attract who you are. I'm off of the road. <laughs> you attract. We attract who we are. If you're faith-filled, you attract faith-filled people. I'm believing. I'm trusting. You'll attract them. If you're negative, you'll find every negative person in Perth. Some people, you know, I was having a little giggle about last week, you know, some people are like, that sky in Perth just far too blue. <laughs> and you think, are you crazy? That's crazy. But you, they'll find somebody else. I've always said that. I know exactly what you mean. It's just blue, blue, blue. I know, just annoying. You will find who you are. If you're negative, you'll find negative people. If you're joy-filled, it's amazing how the joy-filled people find you. And then the party's starting. <laughs> if you're cynical, oh, no, I know, it's all right for Pastor Jerry. It's never happened in my life. No, it's all right for Pastor Spencer. Can't happen in my life. Never happened in my life. Guess who your friends are going to be? Never happens in my life. Oh, I know what you mean. No, me too. You're all sitting on the lounge together. No, never happened in your life. Never happened in my life. <laughs> One of our older relatives used to say, isn't it a shame? It always happens to us. And guess what? It always did. And you drew all the people who said to our older relative, isn't it a shame? I know, it's a shame in a, in a shame. Then we go to the next one. All the Brits will know this one. Everything happens in threes. So by the time the second one went wrong, we're all sitting there waiting for the third one. Any minute now. Any minute now. <laughs> if, you're a non, if you're a person who never changes, get ready for your life to be filled with religious, non-changing Christians. Good morning, everybody in the 10 a.m. service. You'll find everybody who's not changing, they'll be your friend. But the Bible tells us God's called us to grow, to change. You walk with the Lord, He doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't leave you alone. Not because He's trying to just change for change's sake. No, because He's trying to free you. He's trying to get you free. He's trying to get you favored. And He's trying to get you fulfilled. There's three, the three Fs. I like that. So... So God's trying to change us, so we're fulfilled, so we're favored, so we're free. And so we actually have good influence for others. So if you're humble, you find the humble. 
If you're proud, you'll find all the people who go, yeah, I know, I know, mate. Yep, I know. I know. <laughs> They're at church, the word of God's been preached. Yep, I know that, yep, yeah, know that, yep, know that. Know that for years, yep. Know that one, yep. Know that, yep, I know. All your friends are, I know, yeah, mate, I know, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. The best thing you can ever do is come to church and come to the kingdom and say, I haven't got a clue, Lord, fill me in. (laughs) I don't know, God, fill me in this week. Best thing you can do is start your day. Save 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Lord, I don't know. Fill me in, God. Give me a clue, Lord, because I think I know, but I could be, I I might need the fullness of, my my revelation, Lord, is small. I, I need the big deal. Give me the big revelation, Lord. Healthy friendships are costly. Next big thought. Healthy friendships are costly. My grandson, Joel, is, he's a big lad. Nathan and Sean are both six foot five. Well, Joel is probably going to be six foot six the way he's going. He's tall. He's weighty. Yesterday, we had the best day out with him. I'm picking up my grandson, and I'm thinking, gee, I'm glad I did that back exercise the other day. Gee, this guy, poor Kerry. Kerry's like little girl. She's walking around with my grandson. <laughs> Like, there's a key and baby right there. Anyway, so, so in the same way I'm carrying Joel, who's my grandson. Listen, you know in the kingdom of God that you're called to carry the next generation? Hello, Christians, Christians, you are called to carry the next generation. Some people are like, never want, I don't want to ever get involved in a church or help out or serve anywhere. Listen, you're missing the very thing that's going to fulfill your life playing a part in the chapter of other people, uh, playing a chapter in, uh, you know, other people's stories, being written in through your help and care and, and caring. And by the way, uh, as Christians, you know, I, Sue and I are now, as grandparents, so funny, I meet people who say, oh, I'd love to have children older in life. <laughs> Sue, Sue and I have Joel for cut three hours, love him to bits. At the end of the day, we're like, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> We've done three boys. Chasing three boys around the house. Now we're cha- loving on him. We're like, you know, it's been awesome. Why? You're a little bit older, a little bit. <laughs> and you get a bit more tired. You get a bit more. Some people think because I'm a Christian who actually carried, helped, loved people, paid a cost in friendship or service. It couldn't be Christianity because I feel tired. But listen, I think I'm going to be tired for the rest of my life carrying the kingdom. No, I'm not carrying the kingdom, sorry. Carrying, <laughs> carrying my little piece in the kingdom, carrying people, supporting people. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be bruised. I'm going to go to bed every day going, well, I'm, I'm ready for bed. That's normal. You should have weight. You should, as friendships, have tired. I'm carrying. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. What does that mean? Bear one another's burdens. It means put it on your back and carry it. Carry global kids, carry your friend, carry other people, carry new Christians, carry, carry, carry. Not their whole life, but you're carrying them in a sense to their destination. You're an encourager, you're a builder, you're serving. But we should go to bed with a few bruises occasionally, feeling tired. That's the normal Christian life. If you're not tired ever as a Christian because you're carrying the kingdom, look again at your Christianity. Have a little look, because that's normal. And it's going to be normal with Joel. i got another grandson on the way. Lord, a couple of pounds less would be awesome. Got another one coming. Going to carry him. 
got to carry future generations. Now, in friendships, the Bible says too, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility, consider one another as more important than yourself. Oh, the Bible's saying consider others as more important. So the Bible's teaching us to think about ourselves a little less, not think less of ourselves, but just in our head, think about ourselves a little less. I love our pastors because we're always saying, how's so-and-so? How's that person? How's that new Christian? How's the person in youth? How are they going? How are they going? We want to help carry them to their next, if you like, stepping stone, next point in their journey. John 15, 13. Greater love has no, ma- greater love has no one than this, that a person lays down his life for his friends. So the Bible is saying, wow. If you... Someone who lays down their life for their friends, there's no greater love than that, than to give your life in service for others. You know, there are friends, everybody. Next thought, here we go. There are friends for the various seasons of life. I realized long ago, wow, not everybody I started the journey with as a Christian into my Christian walk would be with me the whole journey. Some of them were scaffolding to help get me going. And, uh, and some of them were people I served with for a while. And I'm good with that. I'm not meant to be walking with everybody who was in my life. Um, and I, as I said, I think we're meant to have in life probably three close friends, maybe. But a lot of people are, are living not well in this season because they're living continually in the past season. Next thought, don't live in a continual past season. Don't live in a continual past season. You know, on Facebook, I think I told you guys last year, I had friends contacting me from high school. Last year I was 57, and I had them contacting me. I last saw them when I was 16 or 17. And they're like, hey, Jared. And I'm like, hey, what? (laughs) Like, what are we going to talk about? Like, in reality. You know what I mean? In school, I can't even remember you in school. So I'd have to build something with you now. I can't even remember. You know what I mean? And now they're contacting me. You know, some people are back there. They're back in high school. You're back in the youth group. You're back in your previous country. You're back in your previous church. You're back in your previous life. We have to say, Lord, help me now. Listen, everybody, the best thing you can do is learn to do this in life. If you've come from another country, stop now, draw a line, and say, that's gone. Engage your heart, your mind, your spirit with Australia. Engage with it. I didn't say don't visit your family. I didn't say don't take a holiday. I said you need to engage emotionally, spiritually, and mentally with where you are now. You, most people are living like this. I'm in another country. I'm in Australia. I'm in another country. I'm in Australia. No, no, no. When I moved to London for six years, uh, year one as I got used to the British culture, but then I just was, everything was about Britain. And I worked to forget Australia and honor everything British, not look, look at what I didn't like. I didn't like the rain lots of days, but, but I had to go, okay, I'm here now. Engage with everything British. You need to engage with being a Christian. (laughs) Some of us got saved and we need to tell ourselves, (laughs) you're a Christian now. You left the world. Tell yourself. You need to tell yourself the country you left. You need to tell, you know, past relationships you left. Look, guys, it was nice. You can be friendly, but I'm not going to build a friendship with you now. I need to find the people for the next season of my life. Listen to this, everybody. Take a note. You need to be more loyal to your future than you are to your past. You need to be more loyal to your future than you are to your past. Some people have such great loyalty to the past. Listen, it might have been great. Awesome. It might have not been great. Not so awesome. 
But whatever, we need to draw a line and say, no, this is where I'm engaging now. This is where I am. If you're in our church, you come from another church, you have to shut the door and go, Lord, I did serve there. I learned that or didn't learn that, didn't do this. But now I'm in a new church, new ways of doing things, new season. Lord, help me to engage with the new thing now. That's called maturity. Hello, that's called insight. And that is called wisdom. And then God can move you into what he's got for you now. And be realized that most humans receive new truth negatively. Most people, the majority of people, something new comes along, they're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I did that early. And then I, 25, I ditched it. Everything new, I was like, ooh, wow. Wow, there's a thought. I'll put that on the shelf right now. I'm not fully getting that, but Lord, show me from that. Rather than saying, no, don't agree with that. Don't agree with that. No, no. That's what I used to do. That's what my family did. I just put things on the shelf and say, Lord, show me. And then he would. And the right time, I'm like, wow, that's so gosh. Oh, my Lord, that's rich. Okay, you're good. So your future destiny needs you to require boundaries. Please get the boundaries book for your husband for Christmas. <laughs> because husbands need them and wives need them too. We need to know about healthy boundaries because boundaries are going to help in relationships. They're going to help you get to your destiny. You can't live in the now if you keep staying in yesterday. Why is it that so many people live in the past? They're, even how they look, act, live, it's all yesterday. Why is that? It's because new life and today requires change. Requires something from us. But I just really want to encourage everybody, listen. Jesus doesn't say to you, hey, jump from there to there. Jesus took me 39 years ago and said, hey, Let's go. I went, okay, little step. And he said, hey, let's, let's work on, let's give me this. Give me that attitude. Ah, oh, no, I like that cynical attitude. He'd say, yeah, it's not going to help you where I'm taking you. All right, there's my cynicism. Then he'd go, hey, you know your poverty mindset that you have from your parents? I went, yeah, not well. <laughs> he goes, I need you to give it to me. You're going to live by faith. Ooh, Lord. <laughs> uh, mm, I don't know about that. And then God said, no, no, I'm going to be with you. Don't worry. All right. All right. You know, all I did for 39 years is little steps. Sue, little steps. Then you get down here, but you just keep taking those steps, and then you go, oh, my gosh, my life's changed. Oh, my gosh, my friendships are, wow, what great people are in my life. Oh, my gosh. How did I get those incredible daughter-in-laws? My wife was like this in front of our boys. She was like a ninja warrior. No one was getting near them. In the sense, they were going to marry the right girls. That's the next thought. You find your God-given relationships and friendships through service in the kingdom. Parents, get your children serving in God's house as soon as possible. As soon as possible... As our boys did, we said, here's what we do. We love our church family. We serve them. We help them. We help in youth. We help them. Start loving. Start serving. The next minute, through service, God brings along Kerry. Then God brings along Bianca. Sue didn't even have to say one time, well, I'm not sure about them. They were the most beautiful girls. Well, I said to Sue, where are these two girls come from? And then we went through serving the Lord and his house. You didn't have to fight for what God has planned if you'll do it His way. But 
Small adjustments bring about great growth. Small adjustments bring about great growth. I'll just finish with this scripture now. Proverbs 27 verse 6. This is a challenging scripture, everybody. It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Wow. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Do you know most of us get that round the wrong way? We'll have long-term friends. If you've got a long-term godly friend who is walking with you in the journey, serving the Lord, following His purpose, if they're your real friend from time to time, they'll say, hey, listen, you might need to think about this because we all have blind spots, right? And, uh, but you'll have, the Bible says here, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Many of us have people in our life who flatter us. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. And they're blowing kisses in our direction. And they're, oh, you're incredible. And many people go, oh my gosh, if you think I'm incredible, then you must be incredible. Because you think I'm amazing, you must be amazing. But flattery is deceitful. <laughs> I told the last service, I'm going to tell the story again, Spence. Pastor Spencer knows. I can t- A good while ago, Somebody in Perth said to me, we just adore you and Sue, adore. And I'm, you know, I'm the wrong person for that. (laughs) Don't do flattery. And I'm pragmatic. And I said to them straight out, you don't adore us. They went, huh? I said, you don't adore us. I said, you might like us. And I appreciate that. But you don't adore us. Because immediately I was like, hmm. That was a whole lot of flattery right there. And sometimes flattery is about, I'm going to say this to you so that you don't say this about this. <laughs> flattery sometimes shuts us down. Flattery will shut you down so you don't ever say anything. And for those who've received it, know what I'm talking about. And the Bible says it can be deceitful. All the people who we think, oh my gosh, they're amazing because they think I'm amazing. They must be amazing. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about encouragement again. Get me, get me balanced right on this. Encouragement is great. We need it. It's like oxygen. I believe in you. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for loving. Thank you for being a supporter. You know, all those things are great. Thank you for serving. Thank you. Awesome. But it's when it's not quite real. What we do is we flick the real friends who say, hey, listen, I think you, gotta, you need to have a think about this right now. And we're like, no, I don't like that. <laughs> Steve Kelly and I over the years, because we've been friends 46 years, but Steve and I have had two or three good blues through the years, good ones. And one time Steve got really mad with me because I thought I needed to say something to him about this. And I got really mad with him. He told me something once and I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, you need a punch in the head. <laughs> <laughs> that, I didn't say that, just thought it, you know. So anyway, but he, we have had things. And then he didn't, I said something to him about our situation and he didn't agree with me. Later, he agreed with me and he's like, oh my gosh, you saved my bacon. You saved my life. Because when it came to the crunch, what you'd already shown on an insight, which you took a risk to say to me as my friend, actually saved me. And he's done the same for me. But there was no flattery in it. It was like, pull back. This is not good. Get what I'm saying? But we protected each other in the friendship. Become the friend who is developing character. Become the friend who is growing in your inner attributes. 
become predictable under stress, under fire, not hot and cold with your relationships. Become that kind of friend. But be the friend who is a friend to their destiny, not just to their personality. As I say, mums and dads and grandparents, I love my boys enough to put their destiny and the kingdom in front of them loving me. So at times I've upset them because I've said, now listen. And by the way, you know, our boys have had to serve in church and carry things in church because I want them to have God's destiny, not a job or a business. I don't want a job or a business. I want God's destiny for them. So when they're 15 and 16, I'd say, hey, serve the youth leader. Help uh, that person. Have a sweet attitude. God put them there. They'd get mad with the youth leader. Sometimes the youth leaders would tell something to my boys. Well, here's what a lot of parents do. I'm going to talk about some of the parents. Someone will correct your child in the kingdom and you go, I'm the parent. This is my child. Mum and dad, you just up interrupted their process in God. Because my boys, and are still learning, have had steps where their character is challenged. God puts people around them in the kingdom to grow them, to help them. And I didn't rescue them. I said, hey, you need to change your attitude. God put that leader there. They're there to help you right now in your next step in God's kingdom. And that is where parents go, I'm backing out of it. 19, 20, 25. Backing out, Lord, work through those people. We don't never get in front of our leaders. I think all of our pastors, have I ever got, I don't think you can say, I've always gone, go in there because I want them in their destiny, which means sometimes I'm not popular, but they're developing and their calling's growing and God can use them. Does that make sense? So I'm being a friend to their destiny. Parents, don't say, oh yeah, he or she's my best friend. I like being friends with my kids. They're now adults. But the main thing is, I need to be a friend to their purpose in God. I need to be a friend to their purpose in God. Which means many times, which means many times for me and Sue, Jared and Sue, get out of the way. Amber was the leader. Pastor Eli was the leader. Luke was leading. Get out of the way. Get out of the way and let that person work with them now because they're the person God's put there for their step in their destiny. You're their parent. Go home, do dinner and watch a movie. Whatever. Alrighty? So, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Watch out for the people who just always tell you nice things. Always smoozing you up. Anybody got a smoozer in their life? <laughs> do you know what a smoozer is? Smoozers. They're always just saying everything nice all the time. I'm always like, mmm, mmm, mmm. <laughs> Careful of the smoozers. You got to look out for the people who are going to, hey, I'm on your side. Let's go. I'm standing with you. Got your back. When it's hot, when it's cold, when it's not working, I got your back. But I'm not going to be, what is the word? Blow smoke in your direction to make you feel good. I think we need to pray on that. You all had enough? <laughs> Did you get something out of that? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. 
and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.